be a learner. That may mean that you prefer to learn via YouTube videos and technology. There are many, many ways you can learn for free. Or if you want to take classes or if you would prefer to get some certification training, any way that you prefer to learn, whether it's in a classroom, whether it is through videos, whether it is listening to books or podcasts, be a constant learner. In technology, the world is changing on a regular basis. Tech is just continuing to innovate. And so if you're a constant learner and if you find a mentor, you can get there on your own. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends, invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. Nathaniel, do you mind giving a brief introduction of yourself? Sure, absolutely. So I'm Nathaniel Morris. I founded EQ Digital. Uh, I specialize in working with organizations and entrepreneurs on how to leverage their technology investment, make it better. But at my root, uh, I'm a farm boy who grew up in the western part of Kentucky and raised cattle when I was young. And now I'm working in technology. So a little bit of a far stretch from where I started, but I love the outdoors and love having a little bit of getting my hands dirty from time to time as well. Wow, that is a very interesting pathway. It is. So now, before we go into what makes people successful, what's the salary range that someone like you can has gotten throughout the years? A technical executive, uh, you're talking about a mid six figures. So depending on the experience and the skill and what kind of organization, but um, you're talking low, mid, six figures. Okay. Wow. That's that's good to know. So if you could create a blueprint of your success to pass on to someone without a college degree, what would it look like? Like, what would they do? What shouldn't they do? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't have a college degree. Um, I started learning about computers when I was in high school. Uh, things were new. It was not common for everybody to have one in their house. And I had a very old model and I just began to experiment to learn. And I would encourage if you're going to pursue a path of getting into this type of field, find a mentor, find someone who can work with you. For me, early on, it was my uncle and then uh, later a teacher in high school who was teaching computers in my senior year. And then as I got out into the workforce, I wasn't in technology, but I found a mentor there who could begin to work with me. So that's really important along the way in your journey is find someone who's already doing what you want to do and learn from them. The other thing that I constantly encourage is be a learner. That may mean that you prefer to learn via YouTube videos and technology. There are many, many ways you can learn for free. Or if you want to take classes or if you would prefer to get some certification training, any way that you prefer to learn, whether it's in a classroom, whether it is through videos, whether it is listening to books or podcasts, be a constant learner. In technology, the world is changing on a regular basis. Tech is just continuing to innovate. And so if you're a constant learner and if you find a mentor, you can get there on your own. A mentor will save you years of learning. Instead of reading hundreds of books, they're going to tell you, hey, Janai, this is what you need to work on. Here's yes. how you do it. I have actual experience in it. And they make it so much more real. And you never know. They may have opportunities for you. They're going to really look out for you. But 
you have to put in work. It's not like you just have a mentor and do whatever you want. You have to put in genuine work and you have to show because they don't want to refer someone that's going to make them look bad, even if they are your mentor. Now, let's go back. So let's go back to the farming days. How was high school like for you? And what were some of the earlier jobs you had? Sure. So I grew up uh, in a rural area and I was in a little bitty private school and uh, my graduating class was very, very small. And I had a, started raising some cattle, was tossing hay and feeding cattle and breaking ice on the water trough, all the fun things that comes with that. And I had two things. My father worked with a small business and then ran his own business on the side. So before hustle was a thing, he was doing it. And then my grandfather ran his own company as well. So some of my early jobs, I worked construction with my grandfather and, you know, he paid me by the day to help out on job sites. And then I also worked with some of my dad's business. Uh, My dad was in the meat processing business. So he would process pigs or deer or other things as people would harvest them. And so again, we're in a rural area. So I learned how to work with my hands and hustle along the way, Uh, built birdhouses and sold them and earned some money. So, you know, just learning. And then as I got into sort of the real job, you know, I started in the grocery stores, stocking shelves, uh, rotating freezers, that kind of thing. And then I waited tables, you know, all the sort of entry level jobs And then when I got to college, I was going into college for uh, a science math teacher. I thought I was going to go into education. And I began working in a organization that was in the home shopping industry. So I did customer service and supported their teams. And again, never thinking I would land in a technical role like I am today. Do you mind sharing what some of those jobs paid? Sure. So, uh, I mean, when I was in working with my grandfather, I don't even remember exactly what we were paid, but minimum wage, I know, was when I was in the grocery store. You know, we were talking minimum wage at that point was, I think, $6, $6.15, something like that an hour. And then when I got into the customer service world, uh, I think it was $8, something like that is where we started. Wow. So you really worked your way up. Now, What was the first job that was away from the typical entry level and it was a more technical role? So the first job that I did, I was in customer service uh, at an organization at a home shopping network. And I had a, a mentor, a leader who saw more in me than I even realized in myself. And so she began to say, wait a minute, I think you have a ton of potential. I want to introduce you into uh, another part of the organization And she introduced me into the e-commerce team. And back then, of course, e-commerce was a newer discipline. There were no degrees for it even at the time. And she put me with that team and I began to work with report writing and some of the early technical skills of working with data, those type of things. And that was my first salary job. It was my first job uh, that was in the technical field at all. How'd you land that? I was working under her team uh, in customer service, and I was on the side helping find ways to make the team better. So we were writing little automation scripts and other things. I had a lady I worked with on that team who had technical background. She took me under the wing, again, from a mentorship perspective, and I was just hungry. And I began to learn on my own and research and talk to her and get some guidance. And we started showing we could make things better in the customer service team. And it was just, you know, small things, things that today a technical individual might go, ah, that's not even real. But it was 
just the beginnings, just laying the foundations of learning how things worked. And it caught the attention of the e-commerce team. And they said, well, if you're doing that with such a little capability of tools and experience, we think we can invest in you and grow it into more. And that's where I started. Okay. So now they invested into more. How was that role? It was good. Uh, I enjoyed the role very much. And it was the first time that I began to work with uh, a team where it wasn't production oriented, even in customer service, you know, the phone's ringing or the emails are coming in. And so you're, you're just trying to work a queue, you know, waiting tables, you're turning tables, that type of thing. Now I was working in a job where it was about the bigger objective, not just trying to check the boxes of production. And I began to work with a team and start understanding, all right, we have problems and the answer isn't necessarily obvious. We got to work together and iterate and figure out how to solve it and work the puzzle. And so I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I had the opportunity to work with that team as that team grew. Um, when I started on that team, it was about five people. And when I left the organization later, I was no longer in an entry level. I left as a director and I was run the whole team, myself, my peers, the entire organization was about 50 people. So it was it was thrilling to just grow and to learn inside that team. So what were some of the skills that you picked up along the way? So technical skills obviously were part of it. I would grow some understanding of how does this technology work and how does this work together. I would step over and work with people outside of e-commerce who were in other parts of the business, learn how the business world worked. I had to really get an understanding of how does business work, how does the tech work, And I spent a lot of time working with even vendors who were happy to teach me about their products, not just say, here it is, but help educate me, uh, give me resources. And I just, I knew I was not an individual with a degree and I was going to have to learn on my own. So I built a learning path, found mentors to help me. I had a gentleman I worked with who really helped me understand from a leadership perspective what to grow. So business, leadership, tech, those are the three areas I was really focused on. And I will say, I learned the tech, I learned a good bit of the business, the leadership, I was a little bit uh, not as good at as I grew in that role. And so I had to really continue to work and hone on that one uh, quite a bit. But I thoroughly enjoyed getting new technology, new experiences. Can you go into a little more detail on like the specific technical skills? Like what technologies did you have to know just so readers can figure out what to do? Yeah, absolutely. So in an e-commerce world, I had to get an understanding of HTML. So I needed to learn how web pages were put together, JavaScript. I became a a big student in JavaScript because it was a big part of what we were doing. Uh, Back then, there was a technology called Adobe Flash. That's kind of been sunset at this point. But then I had to learn about SQL and databases and how database structures are put together. That was a big set of skills that um, I would start with. I would run into a problem. I'd Google it. I'd go find a a class on it. I would go talk to a data administrator who had the experience and say, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. Microsoft Excel. I knew nothing about Microsoft Excel really when I stepped into that e-commerce team. And by the time I left, not just in that team, but basically within the company, I was known as an Excel guru. I still am in a lot of ways to this day because I had to go figure it out for myself. And Really, I took some, you know, uh, downloaded classes, videos. I would go to the local used bookstore and I would get 
two or three year old books that, you know, technical books, they have a very short shelf life. So yeah. they're really cheap. And if you go two or three years back, but it had some of the foundations. And so I would read through those and I had a collection of them. And that's how I had to, to grow my skill along the way. Excel is a very underrated skill. Like so much of the business world and just whatever are built on is built on Excel. Yes. So being the person who can use Excel without the keyboard, you're like the guru, you're like the wizard. And it takes you far because I know people who do everything manually and then they have someone like you who can do it in a quarter of the time. And then especially if you can pass that knowledge on to the organization or be the person that does it, you end up making yourself real valuable. So you worked your way up all the way to the director level. Mm-hmm. Now, how did it make you feel once you hit that level? Hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. It was a conversation where I'm sitting here going, I can't believe where I'm at. And at the same time, a good sense of accomplishment, right? Because it was funny. I had someone else who worked in the organization and I was there for eight or nine years. And I had someone else who worked in the organization in another department and they didn't know me starting out, right? They, I met them and we were later into it and they would tell my background to other people. They'd be, oh yeah, he grew up on a farm (laughs) and they're like, no, that's not possible. Like I had grown so many skills that it, I didn't even look like the same person in a lot of ways to the point, you know, I became a joke that I was, that I'd come from a farm, not in a detrimental way, just yeah. people didn't believe it because uh, it was such a contrast. And that was really a sense of accomplishment for me to say, you know, you kind of pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and, you know, where I grew up, uh, the the best job in the area was to say you were, went to work for a local furniture factory and, you know, you spent 20 years there and you'd worked your way up or the local paper mill, like there just weren't six figure jobs out there. And so when I'm sitting here saying I, I've accomplished this, it was humbling to say, wow, look how far this is. And there's a sense of accomplishment too, right? To say, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Now what came after the director? Like what came next? So I stepped out, founded my own organization and began doing consulting for some very large brands and began working with them, having taken the skills I learned, went out and did some uh, freelance and some consulting with my own organization and then wound up in another company doing the same thing. I came in as a director, helped them transform their IT team. That's where I learned a lot more on leadership, again, continuing to grow, continuing to learn more skills and now I will run my own organization again. So it's been quite the journey along the way. When you got off on your own, how'd you go about getting clients? Because that in, it, in of itself is a skill. 
It is. One of the things I would tell somebody who's saying, okay, I'm in a career. I like what I'm doing. Build your network. You know, they, they say that your network is your net worth. And I think it's extremely important to build that, those relationships because I was in an e-commerce team that purchased a good number of software tools and uh, various things that were on the market. I had relationships with the vendors. I was often a point person working with those vendors. And so when I stepped out on my own, I had a network to begin to talk to and to say, Hey, I need to, I'm stepping out on my own. Here's what I'm doing. And I began to get jobs from referrals. And that's the best way until you can build up and really start marketing and, and advertising your services. Those referrals, those first few deals are so important. And that comes from your network. And so whether it be get your LinkedIn profile established, begin to connect with people. When you meet people, connect with them on LinkedIn, even begin putting out some content. That's a great way to build your career over time because one of the things that you do get in a college degree is you get a network. You get people you find who are in similar fields and you're like, okay, you know, I'm going into technology. I had these other people who were also in the classes with me who are, have the same interests. Well, you can still gain that by just building your network as you go through your career, reaching out through LinkedIn, etc., and you can establish the same thing. So that's very valuable as you grow. Yeah, those referrals really make a di- big difference. I've gotten some phenomenal referrals from people and that helps you understand these organizations. And then when you do good work, they'll just, you'll get re- more referrals that way. Absolutely. When you went into the organization, you went on your own. Why did you go back to an organization? So I went out on my own and uh, then I had a executive I'd worked with before. Uh, and he called me and said, Hey, I need some help with this new job I'm in. I've just walked into a company. And so I started from a consulting perspective with him. Um, my company, we began consulting with him. I was doing the work. And then he said, Hey, this is pretty big. Why don't you just come over and join me? And so I went back in, uh, joining the company that way and spent several years doing it. Okay. So sometimes it just makes sense. I think a lot of people, they glamorize working for yourself. Sometimes there's a good opportunity. And just because it's not your own doesn't mean that it isn't the one that's for you. Yeah. And there are, the journey is never a straight line, right? So ultimately where you want to get to, it's going to have some zigs and some zags in it. And that was an area for me to say, I got an opportunity to do something at a larger scale than I'd done before in a category that I hadn't worked in as much. I was still in technology, but it was in a business category. And it gave me the opportunity to really build something from the ground up versus in the first organization I was in. Yes, we built it from where it was at, but now I was getting the chance. I owned it. It was my clean slate. I didn't just have a piece of it. So really a great opportunity and enjoyed it thoroughly. Looking back, what were some of the mistakes you've made along the way? There's a lot of them. We got time. Let me, let me highlight uh, a few things. Um, I had the first company that I was with where I was in a, you know, the first real job that we talked about had training materials and opportunity for me to learn more about leadership. And I went to some of the classes, but I didn't really, I didn't understand how valuable leading was. And it was a situation where if I had it to do over, I was focused on the tech and didn't understand that leadership side and being well-rounded, I think that's something I would stop and go, wait a minute, I need to put some more focus here because that that hurt me at a couple of stages 
of my career and I learned from them, but they were dips, right? Where I had to say, wait a minute, I could have done this faster. I could have gotten there uh, with a better outcome. And if I learned leadership a little bit faster. So I think that's really an important thing. You know, from a technologist perspective, you love the shiny architecture. How can we build something new? And it took me a few years, uh, probably 10 years in my career before I really understood the principle that simplicity is profound. And in technology, that's one of those things where, and it's not just in tech, it exists everywhere. Sometimes there's a, a drive to say, I built something new. And it's far simpler to say, hey, I did it simply, and now everyone else can understand it. And I'm not tied to it. I don't have to be the one supporting it. And it makes it easier for ownership to be shared. Um, so that was a big mistake. I had one platform that we architected and we overdid it. It was over-designed and wound up, you know, they used it for a number of years. I moved on and then they wound up ripping it out. And that, you know, stings because it's like, okay, was it the right decision at the right time? Maybe, but probably over-architected. So too complicated for what was really necessary. Yeah. A lot of people think that you have to have this crazy solution. At the end of the day, what's the easiest way to solve the customer's problem? Mm-hmm. Once you do that, the customer doesn't care how shiny your system is. The customer doesn't care how complex it is. The customer just wants their problem solved in a quick and easy manner. So I think that's an important lesson. Now, looking back, how would you advise someone learn leadership? Because that's a that's one of those things that it's not necessarily easy to learn. Like, what are there books you would recommend, podcasts that you would tell them to listen to? There's a couple different journeys and everybody learns differently. So what I'm going to say is here are the types of things you need to be looking at. And people may find different ways, you know, reading a book versus an audio book version, what have you. But John Maxwell is a great leader, uh, set of content. Um, so irrefutable laws of leadership. If you can only read one as a, as a leader, I would start there when it comes to leading teams and how to build teams. I love Patrick Lencioni's works, um, five dysfunctions of a team as a classic. One that was really transformational for me was a book, um, called it's your ship. Uh, and it has to do with helping teams take ownership versus as a leader feeling like you have to own it all allowing the team to own it and how to create that environment was really impactful. That one was funny to me because um, it's a book written by a Navy guy and it was recommended to me by a Army West Point grad. So when the Army recommends the Navy, it must be good because that doesn't yeah. happen very often. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that one was was very good. There are a multitude of others. I have dozens of books I like to read pull out highlights, go back and review them because I think it's super important. And, you know, I've seen some people who are say, I read the book and I don't make notes. Books are cheap, like mark them up, highlight them up, use them because you want to be able to come back and, you know, flip back through them and and learn more from it, reread it, those type of things. So I think that's very impactful. The other thing I would say is from a podcast, uh, Lynchoni has a podcast, Maxwell has a podcast. So if you prefer those, uh, types of venue, right? Uh, for it. I also love Brene Brown's work. So talking about trust as a leader, talking about vulnerability. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing is if you're YouTube, all of the TED talks, there's a lot of leadership material that's there 
that's highly valuable. And that's what I had to learn. I, I had to invest in myself from a leadership and I made a lot of mistakes and I'd have to go talk to people and say, hey, I'm sorry, I messed this up as a leader and I'd have to learn from it. And yet at the same time, I knew it wasn't where I needed to be. And so I had to focus on it. And I spent a lot of time, I spent probably five years where the majority by a mile of what I read, learned, wasn't technical. It was all about leadership. So probably 70 to 80% of what I consumed from a learning material, whether it's reading articles, watching videos, podcasts, what have you, was all on leadership because I wanted to absorb as much as I possibly could and learn about it. Oh, and that's a sign of a true leader. I think a true leader is always learning, realizing that there are multiple perspectives, absorbing it in, and you really have to throw out that ego. Now, what are some common mistakes that leaders make? One of the things that I've seen, and, and I'll probably put a little bit of an angle on this of technical leaders. One of the things that I often see is when you step out of the role of I'm an individual contributor and you become the leader of the team, it's very dangerous if you, you do that inside of the same organization that you can still try and jump down and fix the problem. And this happens in whether it's in a retail organization, whether it's in a tech organization. But if I was the software developer and I'm writing code and now I manage the software developers, I need to deliberately, from a mindset perspective, say, I don't write code. I need to make sure that I allow my team to write code because if I still try and write the code, the team goes, well, wait a minute, my boss is coming in and doing it. I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to challenge my boss. I'm not going to, you know, surely they know it better than I do. They've been here longer, what have you. And so it's very important when you move into a leadership role early on that you're comfortable with saying, my job is now leading software, not doing software. And that mindset shift trips up a lot of people. Uh, and again, not just in tech, but it happens. I see it a lot in tech. But it can happen in even a restaurant. You take somebody who was a great cook and then you say, okay, you are now the manager of the restaurant. They may have to cook, but you don't want them trying to push the cook out of the way to say, okay, I'm going to do because that demoralizes the team. It undermines the team. So really that kind of a shift is important. The other thing I see leaders do is when they're hiring and firing, they're sometimes looking at the skills versus looking at the attitude, looking at the capabilities. And I've seen a lot of leaders ruin teams because it was all about the checklist. It was, oh, they've got five years experience. They've got this certification. They've got this thing. And they bring the person on and the person's a jerk or just arrogant and doesn't fit the team. And they'll undermine the team because they're so focused on a checklist and not on making the team better and filtering for fit an attitude. Yeah, the right attitude goes a long way. I've worked with people with bad attitudes and it's it's an obstacle. It's a challenge. It doesn't matter how much yeah. they know. There's always hoops you have to jump through. You have to walk on eggshells. And at some point, you just get demoralized. Like, hey, I know how this person is going to be. It's not even worth it to really do something. And just everyone suffers as a result. Now, yeah. looking back, what was the hardest thing that you would say you went through? So the hardest thing I probably went through from a career perspective, um, I was in an organization uh, of the two that I worked in. I was in an organization and I was leading a team. And 
as a leader, I made a mistake. It was a leadership mistake. I didn't blow up anything technically. I communicated poorly. I mismanaged the situation. And my boss basically took me from managing a good size organization to setting me over to the side and saying, hey, you're going to have to focus on some of this leadership stuff. And it didn't feel like a demotion and in title, it never was a demotion, but from a responsibility and a personal perspective, it really hit me in the gut. And that was early in that five year journey of saying, okay, I've got to become a better leader. I was partway in the journey. And so I understood why it was so impactful and what the leadership meant, but it really was a setback and I had to earn my way back. You know, I had to earn back the conversation of that I could lead and that it was not always a technical conversation. It was also about the people that were involved. And that was important. And it probably cost me um, a little bit through the career, but I learned a lot. And experience is a great teacher. Experience is a great teacher. And it's disguised in a way that you may not like, but it gives you what you need. Yeah. Now, was there ever a time the lack of a college degree held you back? There were times where it will create hesitation. And that was more early on in the career where I might have somebody go, well, you know, he's not trained in this or he doesn't have this. Or I had some people who are like, you really need to go back and get it to help your career. And I just, I didn't agree with them. And I will say maybe it meant I had to hustle more to earn my seat at the table. But I didn't mind that. And once I got to a tipping point, my work spake for itself. I didn't have to keep saying, yes, I can do this or justify it because I could point back and say, look, I did it here and I did it here. And so, yeah, you know, it, it, sometimes a degree will say, oh, just open the door. But the right leader is going to say the paper doesn't matter because I want to prove the results. And I was all about proving that I could do it and show that it was there, not from an arrogant perspective, but just from a perspective of my own confidence and confidence that my team would know that it could be handled. And I will say, um, I've talked to a lot of people who have degrees, MBAs, tech degrees along the way. There's no right path. Some people should go get a degree, but it also means that no right path means I can also build a technical career without a degree. So both are viable is how I look at it. It comes down to, are you willing to hustle? I wouldn't trade my path for anything because I would say I'm more well, well-rounded because I learned it through experience versus from a textbook. And that's my journey. No, I love that. I love that nuanced perspective because people have to find the right path for themselves and everybody has a different path and you can't follow on someone else's path just because someone tells you to, you have to figure out if that's feasible, if that's your style, and if that's going to work for you. Now, you've hired a lot of people. So I remember we spoke before. So how was it hiring people out without degrees? Did you have issues? Like, did you have to say, no, this person's good? Did you go against the certain job descriptions? Because I know sometimes it said must have degree. Can you share some insight into that? Yeah, so... Uh partially because of my own journey. Um, I never would post a job description or allow even in my teams. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I've managed very large teams with, you know, well north of 100 people and multiple tiers of the leadership. I never let us put job descriptions that said degree required. We would say, you know, this type of degree might be what we're after, but we'd always say we're equivalent experience because 
not only myself, but I had worked with a number of people through the years who maybe came through a military background or came through some other path and they didn't wind up getting the degree, but they had the skills. And when I work with the HR leadership, I would always sit down and say, look, I'm sitting here running the entire organization without a degree. And I never got the pushback because I was always at even the paper doesn't mean they have the skills. So let's make sure they have the skills. That's what we ultimately need. I've, I've seen too many people who, I mean, I worked with a gentleman who was a music major and he was working in e-commerce and it just, it had no applicability at all. Um, but that was a situation where, again, it's about, do you have the skills? He had the skills of e-commerce, so he should be in the role regardless of whether I could find somebody else with a degree who might have the skills. Cause I've also seen people with skills or uh, with a degree who didn't have the skills because they had textbook knowledge and no practical real world. So it didn't apply. Um, so I've never really had a challenge with it, but I will also say I've always fought for it. And I think if you are in a situation where you don't have a degree and you are moving up the ranks into leadership or you have influence, I think it's your job to also be a mentor to the next group who might say, hey, I want to do this journey on my own and make sure you're helping them open doors uh, along the way. And I've always been a big fan of helping internships, um, even out of high schoolers, coming into tech, doing internships. I've always been a big advocate for those type of things because maybe somebody wants that journey without going to college. Yeah, no, I love it. Now, this is going to be a little different. If you saw 18-year-old Nathaniel walking across the street, what would you tell him? Uh, so 18 year, so uh, coming out of high school, um, I would probably say learn how to lead, learn how to network, learn how to communicate. If you learn those three skills, you can go wherever you want to go. And then I would probably say, hey, you're going to hit ups and downs. There's going to be some downtimes but you won't believe where you're going to be. I wouldn't tell him where I wound up, but you'll never believe where you're going to wind up. I mean, oh. when, when I got the first job, I thought, you know, $50,000 was going to be an amazing thing when I hit a 50,000 salary. Cause when I moved into that e-commerce job, I think it was $30,000 a year. Yeah. And I was like, if I can hit 50, like six figures was like, no way. But fast forward and I've made six figures plus for, 15 years at this point, probably. Um, and that's because of the fact that you hustle along the way. What was the best advice that a mentor gave you or like the advice that just stuck with you? Ooh, there's a, there's a few of those. Um, I had a mentor who used to say this all the time. Uh, you can have anything you want, but you cannot have everything you want. And interestingly, that was his mom's advice that had, she had given to him and his siblings, and then he would shared it throughout his career. So I think that's really important to understand. There's going to be trade-offs in life, and you're going to have to figure out. You might not be able to have as much time watching TV or playing this or doing that or spending. You can have fun, but you might have to take some of your own time to invest in growing your own skills to level up, right? And so that may be something to consider. The other one uh, that I would share is I had a mentor who used to say, the road has a ditch on both sides. So mind the ditch. You know, two sets of people who are well-educated, smart people looking at the same facts are going to have different conclusions. And they're probably both slightly wrong and slightly right. 
So find the middle ground. And this applies in so many facets I've found in life, but it's about balance. And balance is not equilibrium where we're, we're never going one way or the other. Balance is about the fact of we are over time against a center. And we've got that understanding that it'll go this way a little bit and this way a little bit, but we're constantly striving to maintain an overall goal. Wow. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing. There's one more thing I want to ask. What lessons from the farm translated over to tech? (laughs) What lessons from the farm translated to tech? Um, I would say, don't be afraid to get your boots dirty. Just dive in. And the other one I would share is you got to care for the animals, right? Before you care for yourself. That's a farm thing. But translated to leadership, you got to care for the people and your team before you care for yourself. And when you apply that principle, that's where you'll see growth. That's a great way to end the podcast. Thank you so much for your time. You shared so much golden nuggets. And I know this will help a lot of people. And I hope someone who's on the farm is listening to this episode. I've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.